So, did you ever think that you and I would become friends? Uh, not in my wildest dreams. I mean, that's kind of kind of wild to think about, really. Because yeah. there aren't very many, like, teachers, that, well, none, that I talk to. Unless it corresponds with dealing with yourself. Well, and then on the other hand, I've... I've uh, struck up some friendships with other students over the years throughout the years um but uh this one this friendship no i never supposed it would happen but i'm glad it did it's your favorite one though oh absolutely right far i mean there's no one better that could have tested the i mean because you at one point did did contemplate retiring because of me right I mean, the friendship really. I, d- wasn't I don't recall open. that moment, but <laughs> if you say so, because it wasn't, it didn't seem like it was copacetic until after I was out of school, <laughs> and then you were like, maybe I can stomach him for a little bit. No, no, that was a great time. No, uh, I really, really, sincerely appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and uh, have this conversation. Um, for you out there listening. Carrie Moore is, uh, he's an, he, he's a freaking awesome man, but how I was introduced to Carrie was through high school. He was my choir teacher. Um, and from that stemmed, uh, unlikely, but much, a beneficial relationship that has carried on throughout the years. And, I wanted to have him on the program because he's very intelligent, I think. I know that you don't like talking about yourself, but it's my show, so I can do what I want. (laughs) And uh, I like your insight. I like, well, we've had so many conversations, obviously, that have have. never been recorded that um, I'll always hold dear. But it's hard to remember all of that stuff because our brains, you know, pick apart the most important stuff and then discard everything else. And I I wanted the trimmings. There you go. I wanted everything. Yeah, let's do it. So just give um, give the audience just a brief background of your career um, and then where you are today. All right. Well, I am a 40-year music educator. Um, I taught choir and singing vocal music and loved every minute of that. I worked with some great people over the years. I uh, got to work with some great choirs. Uh, I also was involved with directing many of the high school musicals in which you starred in one of them. Well, I wasn't a star. Oh yeah, you were. I never I never got to that. No, nah, you were. You were to a, that point. You were a big star on our little <laughs> stage. <laughs> um, I also taught world languages. I taught German and a few other subjects throughout the years. But primarily, my my focus was teaching vocal music to high school students. And I loved every single minute of that experience. I would not trade that for anything. Although, I wanted to be an architect. That was my life's ambition. I wanted to be the next Frank Lloyd Wright. But uh, as things worked themselves out... I found myself in education, and that's been the greatest gig 
that I could possibly ever imagine. Does it uh, does it break your heart to see what education is turning into? Yeah, I I'm quite dismayed with education in its current state. I I do believe that the pandemic has had a huge impact on education, on teachers, on students, on parents, uh, quite adversely, if I might say. And it's disturbing to see where things are right now. I, my heart goes out to all of the teachers who have had to adapt new methodologies. Um, they've had to take their teaching to a digital classroom, if you will. And uh, my heart also goes out to the students who've got to spend hours and hours and hours on screens trying to learn. And uh, it's, it's just not a good system. It's not good for the teachers. It's not good for parents. It's not good for the students at all. I, I, I hope that it can somehow get back to the way it was because it's, it's not working. How do you how do you feel like there that's going to be fixed because it it just it just doesn't stem from there. I mean, we're also dealing with the the gender issue and teaching kids about uh, you know the correct pronouns and how to address people and I mean now now we're debating rather this should be allowed in the in the classroom or not. And then on top of that, you have the 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 vaccine mandates and I don't know it's it seems like the way every time we we go through a crisis as a country like I guess the the last one would be 9-11 the the biggest one I feel like we lost so much that we never got back every every time these catastrophes happen a little bit more of our freedom gets taken and it's never replaced and I feel like COVID is like that times 10 I mean, it's to the point now where some places you just can't even travel unless you've got your your card. Right. And well, you, you ask how to fix it. I don't know that there is a silver bullet solution that's going to fix education. Uh, what it's honestly going to take is the brilliant minds who are serious about uh, education to get together and talk about what can we do to bring the classroom back, to bring students into a classroom where the teachers can motivate them to want to learn, to be there? And um, it's going to take some collective effort, but I don't know if we'll ever get to that point because there are so many different voices out there who have different opinions on what we should be teaching or what we shouldn't be teaching. And um, I, I don't know that we'll ever get to that point where we can sit down uh, across from, from each other on the table and, and discuss these things uh, in a rational way with the student and their success as the primary focus. Now, so are we ever going to be able to fix it? I don't know. Um, education has been kind of hobbling along for the past several years um, you know, they, they, they come up with some newfangled program on let's do this. And then after a couple of years, that's replaced with something else. Let's do this. Uh, that's going to be even better. And, you know, it just keeps morphing all the time. Um, so I, I don't know if there's a, an answer on, on 
can we fix it? Yeah, well, yes, we can. But will we fix it? I don't know. I, I, I certainly hope we do because the students are the ones that are losing out in this situation. I mean, drastically losing out. Do you think that that maybe moving that more towards being privatized, like Elon did with SpaceX, do you think someone coming in and being able to compete with the with the government system would be a good thing? Because there really is, unless you go to a private school, there really is no competition there. Well, that's that's certainly an option. Um, I I think that's a very viable option that might happen. Um, the other option is that we go to homeschooling and that we get rid of the public ed system altogether. But that puts a, an, an onus on the, on the parents, a huge burden to, to teach the children. And I, I don't know that that's a good solution, but um, I, I hate to see public education go by the wayside. I think there's a lot of, of positive that, that, public education has brought to students throughout the ages and 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 still can but right now it's in such a disarray and and like i said there's so many different competing voices on what to do and how to do it um we've we've got to stop for just a moment and we've got to take a good hard look at what what are the big problems and what do we need to do to, to solve those problems immediately so that we can get those students back into a learning environment where they want to be there, where they respect the teachers and the teachers have autonomy in their classrooms. I mean, there's so much that needs to happen, seriously, Josh, to, to help education along. And until we do that, it's just going to hobble along and Again, the students are going to be paying the price. And how much of that do you think falls falls back on the teachers? Well, that's a good question. The teachers are ultimately responsible for what goes on in their classrooms. And there, there is, as in any organization or any group of people or workers out there, there, there are teachers that, just punch in and punch out at the end of the day who really don't care all that much, I hate to say, about what's going on and, and, and that maybe don't have a desire really to educate the students and help them and motivate them and help them see this universe um, in so many different ways. But then I think the bulk of teachers out there, they really have golden hearts and they really do want to see students succeed and they want to be there and they want to help them. I think I think most of the teachers are that way out there. I really do. And so I think they they know the responsibility that they have. It's a huge responsibility. But you've got to get school districts and leadership and you've got to get national um, education associations and things like that all to work together. And until that happens... Like I said, it's 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 just going to hobble along. Is this uh, is this a trickle down situation that comes from the school boards themselves? Because it seems like that we're having we're having a problem at the hierarchy. Yeah, as well, and and that's and that's not being they're not being a lot of parents feel like they're not being heard. 
and listened to by okay, the school and, boards. And, okay, and that's probably true, but I think it goes beyond this, the, the school board. I think it goes all the way to the state legislatures. The legislatures are the ones who really make the laws and and um, are, are the decision makers on what's going to go on in, in the schools. And sometimes, I hate to say it, I think some of the people serving in the legislatures are really out of touch with what's going on in, in the school systems, or they, they approach education from a selfish standpoint if they have children, and they want to make sure that everything where their children go to school is perfect and don't take into consideration a more global uh, view of education and what needs to be done in a, in a global sense within a state or, or, or within cities and communities. Um, yes, the school boards have, have an impact, but they can only do what they're told by the legislatures. Right. And school administrators can only do what they're told by the school boards. And, yeah, it is a trickle-down uh, thing. And ultimately, the teachers seem to be left out of the equation, if you will. Let's shift gears just a little bit. I mean, we're still in education, but now I want to take it to the college level. Mm -hmm. um, so many people are going and getting degrees, spending a ton of money, coming out of college in debt. Most of those people won't pay that off in a lifetime, it seems. Um, how do we get away from just a one-size-fits-all mentality when it comes to going and getting a degree and that being your saving grace and setting you up for the rest of well, your life? Well, it comes, it comes down to the school system, the public ed system. High schools have got to be teaching and training students about all of the options that are available out there. Um, you know, there, there, there are classes that are designed to teach students about welding or about auto mechanics or about some of these other blue collar types of jobs that are available. Um, but I don't think that they're pushed quite as, as much as the college path, you know? Um, and I think uh, schools just need to do a better job of of educating students on what all the possibilities are out there. Um, you know, schools um, very oftentimes are connected with businesses out there, and students can um, uh, be assigned to apprenticeships with some of these different uh, businesses and, and learn blue-collar jobs. In other words, working with their hands, you know, rather than always... Um, thinking that it has to be a white-collar job and you've got to go to college for that and get a, uh, an expensive education. Now, having said that, I do believe that uh, college uh, should be something that, that a lot of people aim for. Um, personally, I believe that knowledge is power. And I think that part of our responsibility as human beings is to educate ourselves highly educate ourselves so that we're not part of the stupid class you know um and and so i i would advocate that students um have all the options placed before them and consider what is it that you enjoy the most what do you want to do do you do you uh do you want to work on 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 diesel uh, uh 
mechanics? Do you, do you, do you want to go and, and get a job as a, as a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, um, whatever? Um, just know what the options are and then let them choose their own path. Do you think the arts are still under scrutiny as it's been in the past, or do you think they've finally kind of uh, gotten away from that? Will we always have the arts in the in the we better classroom? Oh, we better. If we take away the arts, then honestly, I think society is screwed. And why? Why is that? Well, if you if you look at all of the information that we have about previous societies and 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 people's generations back a lot of it comes from their arts we know a lot about these people from the arts that they've left behind not from all of the volumes of books that they've written and left behind and their encyclopedias that they've left behind but their arts and arts are a huge part of every single society to lose that that would be a shame a huge shame um the arts are are part of um what's what what is creativity the creative side of of a human being and and not to teach that not to emphasize that in a school oh boy that i think that would be the worst thing ever i know that there are legislatures that would like to get rid of sports and get rid of all the arts because they feel like that's superfluous Let's just teach them reading, writing, math, and all that stuff, and science. And, you know, yeah, it's all important. We need a holistic education where students are taught everything from music to, to, uh, to mathematics, you know, to, to science, to, um, to writing and literature. We, we need to teach all of it. We want well-rounded human beings, not just robotic uh, um, um, students who who can spew out theorems and and uh, equations and things like that, you know, and 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 that's all great. But there's more to a human being than just that, you know. I mean, we can see societies. I don't want to mention them necessarily out there where um, reading, writing, and 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 science and things like that are the primary focus. The primary focus. And look what's happening to the young people. I mean, it's, it's detrimental. Um, you have to have the creative side as well, or the artistic side. I, I would hate to see that ever go, but I know that there are attempts to do that. I, I was going to ask you what you thought, because obviously you spent a lot of time um, with students and teaching. I think we, could, we should bring spanking back in the classroom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because okay. some of the, those little shits, man, some of the stuff those, those kids say, don't you think like a ruler on the tush could bring everything back into focus or do you not want to go down Well, that you know, that, that brings memories of, <laughs> of Tom Sawyer and, and, and Mark Twain's uh, great uh, classic there, you know, of him getting uh, walloped by the, the teacher in front of the class. Um, no, I, I, I don't, I don't believe in corporal punishment. I don't think that's necessary. I think there's better ways to achieve, uh, discipline and, and, um, to affect behavior than, than that. But I know what you're saying. There's a lot of disrespect out there right now. I see it. I'm a substitute teacher now, even though I've retired from the profession, uh, I still am a licensed teacher and um, I go out there and I substitute teach in junior highs and senior highs. And I, I see a lot of disrespect. 
and it's troubling. It's extremely troubling. Um, and, 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 you know, we could get into a whole discussion on, on why that is and parents, where are you? But, um, no, I, I, I think, I think, uh, I think there's better ways to handle those kinds of issues, but it is, it is sad to me to see the, the major, major disrespect towards adults in the education world and towards teachers. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. Do you think education should be free? Oh, absolutely. Because I, I kind of, like, I remember back in the day, you know, all that socialism. But, you know, the more, the more I've thought about it, as, as a, with, with the money that we spend on other things that, that completely seems unnecessary, mm-hmm. if you as a society put your money into educating your people, wouldn't we derive a much greater outcome from, from, our, from our citizens? Well, of course. Of course, but where does that money come from? Well, I it comes mean... From, it comes from taxes, right? Sure. And um, a, a large chunk of people's property taxes go to the education system. Is it enough? Probably not. Um, I, I, I think that what we spend uh, per pupil in the United States, well, it varies by state. Some states spend a lot more. Um, other states like Mississippi and perhaps Utah uh, don't spend quite enough um, per pupil. Okay, well, let me let me stop you right there. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but what what do you why do you think that is? Because Utah is ranked uh, amongst the lowest in per education. pupil expenditure, but they also have some of the highest outcomes. I'll say student outcomes. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's 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 an interesting phenomenon. I mean, we could discuss that all day, but yeah, you, you, if if you want highly educated students, then you've got to put your money there to help educate them with everything that's available technologically and otherwise. Um, but I don't know. Things are things are very convoluted. Um, I'm just going to say it. I, I, you know, I'm sure there's going to be people that disagree or or whatever. But um, um, you know, you you have these these sports players that get paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to throw a little orange ball in an orange hoop, and then you have a teacher who dedicates his or her life to educating students and, and, and trying to change the world by, by enlightening students, and they're getting paid a pittance. And some of these teachers have to go out there and get a second and third job. It's, it's, it's wrong. Why did you single out basketball? Just oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's just I the mean, first first thing that came could, to my you head. You could go th- for for football, <laughs> yeah. or soccer. I mean, that's preposterous. We're gonna we're, we can't carry it now. We're well, just gonna I, I kick did. It around. I did say generally sports <laughs> figures. Um, it's just weird that we 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 pay these people these enormous sums to recreate in well, front of us. Well, and we idolize them and idolize we them. We put them up on pedestals. And and if you go to any of those sports people and say, "Who are your idols?" They will refer back to some of their teachers. Yeah, no, well, you're absolutely right. You know, uh, I, that's definitely been the case in my situation. I some of the 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 teachers that I could tell actually cared made me as a student want to try harder. Yeah, when we saw how much you were putting into your program, it made us want to step it up because we could see you busting your ass. <laughs> I mean, the countless hours, and you, and it's funny because from our perspective, we're like, well, yeah, he's getting paid for this. 
And then you find out, no, all of those extra hours spent after school, doing the uh, the rehearsals, the weekends, remember coming in early on the weekends? Oh, yeah. All of that's unpaid. So, I mean, I got to ask, you know, and, and I'm not saying that you're destitute. Obviously, you've been smart with your money and you've done well for yourself, but teachers don't get paid jack. They like, don't. Like you were going to go and be an architect. Like you definitely yeah. would have derived a better, <laughs> a better financial outcome going down that path. So what, what changed that directive and made you go the teaching route and made you want to spend the rest of your freaking life in a classroom dealing with these freaking kids? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. I have to think about that, but you know, there's there's that old adage out there that teaching is the noblest profession, and I really strongly believe that. When you are in a classroom as a teacher, working with these young minds that are like sponges that just want to absorb everything that you give them, um, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than seeing a student come in at this level and leave your classroom or leave the the school itself, graduating whatever, at this level way up here it is such a gratifying thing and knowing that you are helping somebody understand their universe a little bit better and give them the tools so that they can go out there and be an important influence a game changer a a a a person that can change the world i mean to me, that was that was like was the greatest thing ever. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade one moment of that for all the money in the world. I really wouldn't. And and I think a lot of teachers feel that way. But it's a shame that as a society we don't do more for these teachers and and help them to to have a substantial living and and to respect them monetarily. I yeah. I, I, I just think it's a shame. Well, and it, it is a, a tough job. It like, is a tough like, job. Because you are dealing, you, you guess there are great kids out there. Yeah. But there is the disrespect factor. I think it would be hard to keep a mentality of wanting to take one for the team when sometimes you just don't feel like you're appreciated. You know, that could be. Um, but for me, being a teacher in the arts, teaching music, um, working with a group of students, teaching them how to best use their voice as a singer and to see them collectively on a stage performing um, beautiful works of music like Kyrie um, yeah. or some <laughs> glad you brought that up <laughs> yeah right or or, or just a, a beautiful piece of music just to see them up there working together and 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 see what they collectively are doing up there oh my goodness there, there isn't a, a, a better feeling out there. I had the best job in the world. I got to work with music and with students that wanted to be performers. There was nothing better. There was nothing better for me. And, and I, think, I think a lot of other teachers were probably envious of that. Where did your love for music come from? Um, another question I don't know how to answer. Um. I, I started taking piano lessons at the age of 10. Um, I asked my mother if I could because my younger sister was already involved in piano lessons and I saw what she was doing. She would come home and she'd be playing the piano and I'm like, I can't do that and I really want to do that. 
So I asked my mom if I could take uh, piano lessons, and she said, sure. So I, I got in there, and within a year, I had already surpassed my sister, and, and I, just, I just ate it up. I just got into it. And I had a, a wonderful, wonderful neighborhood lady uh, piano teacher that just taught me so much about music, and it opened up a whole new world to me. And um, How many brothers and sisters did you have? I have five. And where do you fit in that? I'm the oldest. Oh, you are the oldest. I am the oldest. The general. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> but, you know, it just took off from there. I, uh, I got into music in uh, junior high. I was in the jazz band. I played all the instruments, and, and, uh, and I went to high school and continued that. I uh, went to college and continued that, and I, it, just, it, it just evolved. And... Um, I don't know. It's just something that awakened in me over the years, and it, it was something that I made a career out of. Um, to this day, I'm writing music, and and um, I, I go out there and play solo piano in, in different restaurants and weddings and, and things like that, and I just, music, music is one of the greatest things ever. I'm so glad it's a part of my life. Well, and you're you're exceptional at it. I mean, it helps to do something that you're good at. Oh, thank you. Because don't you think, I mean, it's not, not everyone can do what you do. Well, you know, uh, people say, uh, are people born with natural gifts, uh, natural talents? Um, maybe, maybe there are some that are, uh, maybe there's a Mozart out there or two that, yeah, they, but it all has to start somewhere. And so I think talents are really something that's developed. I had to work at it really hard. It took years. It just didn't come overnight. I'm not some prodigy or, you know, some highly gifted child that uh, just came out of the womb and, and, and started making music, you know. But you were a different child, though. Perhaps. No, I know this story. Okay. Like, like you're, you're, you're very unique in the way that you, that you carried yourself from a young age. You've always seemed to be kind of responsible, which has kind of pissed me off about you. <laughs> kind of the goody goody that never did anything wrong. Like like you but you did, like even your mom, uh, when I've talked to her, you know, you just I mean, she didn't say you were perfect, but she kinda said you were perfect, you know. <laughs> well, not by Carrie, he would never do that. No, I was not a perfect <laughs> child, but but I was eager to learn. I mean, I had this whole world in front of me. And I, I wanted, I wanted to know everything I possibly could. You know, I, I would read encyclopedias, believe it or not. My wife laughs at me to this day because when we were first married, she'd doze off to sleep and I'd, she'd wake up and, and I'd be reading the encyclopedia. Um, I, I just want to learn. I want to, I want to be intelligent and I, I want to be good at whatever I do. I think, I think that's one of the purposes of life is to, Discover who you are, embrace who you are, and make yourself the best version of who you are. Well, and it passed on. I mean, when I was in your class and I'd pop off and you'd call me a paramecium brain, I didn't know what that was. <laughs> I had to go through the science books just to find out what the hell you were saying to me. So, And that made me smarter. And then I used that against other people. There you know go. What I was there saying. you go. See, you learned something in I my class. I did, right? Uh, you... You, uh, so educational wise, where did you take that with your music? 
Like, what do you, what, do you, what, when you went to college, mm-hmm. did you major in any? thing that had to do with music yeah um to to be an architect um in in our state here um the program at the university that i went to required that you get undergrad degrees in something other than architecture so i was working on my master's in architecture after i got my bachelor's degrees and i got my bachelor's degrees in music and in languages and philology um and um those were the two things that just captivated my attention as a young man and so yeah I I got a degree in music and I studied music Um, I I, I developed um, I I developed quite rapidly as a young man and in in high school they didn't have the music classes unfortunately that I really could have used uh, the theory classes and things like that so I had to develop that on my own I had to discover that on my own which I did and then I went to college and took the classes there, and they started putting labels on everything and teaching me why. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense, you know. But, um, yeah, I, I uh, did as much as I could at the college level, but I've, I've always studied on my own. Um, I, I am a voracious reader, and I read uh, a lot about music, and I've studied from some of the great masters. Beethoven is, is my all-time favorite. I think he's, like, just the genius of music in the world, but... Um, I learned from from all of these people. I learned from Billy Joel. I learned from everybody. And then you you got your your primary degree in in architecture. Yeah. It, do you, and you? I know that you've said that you wouldn't trade anything you've done um, for anything. But do you sometimes regret a little bit not uh, touching on that? I don't know that I'd use the word regret. But yeah, I miss remorse, maybe. Yeah, no, I I, I miss it. I miss it. You know, I I love designing space. I really do. I love designing space. I love designing buildings and things like that. I mean, that that that's just that's who I was as a young man. And I still have that desire. But you know what? I had a student one time um, ask me similar questions in a classroom and and I, I tried to respond to that, and, and, and this person said to me, but you know what, Mr. Moore? Okay, you're not an architect, but you're designing people right now. You're, oh, you're wow. help You're helping design people. And I thought, wow, that's intuitive. And um, it's like, yeah, okay, I'm not designing space, but I'm helping these young people in a way that is architectural was that individual struggling with their struggling with their grade at that time <laughs> no that just happened to be a conversation <laughs> that we were having one day because that's something i would have pulled out i gotta tell you mr moore without you here i don't know what we would do maybe no. you can fix that old c minus i got going for me <laughs> you'll never let me live that down will you well you know what man it's choir like how the hell hard is it to get a good grade in choir. I was there. I showed up. I guess you earn your grade? Yeah, probably. You know? I, I mean, it kind of has to do with a lot of the way a teacher feels about you, though. No, I don't think so. College is the same way. No, I don't you think so. You get a professor that isn't no. happy with you, you're going to be sucking ditch water. Okay, uh, there's, there's that. Okay, there might be some truth to that. <laughs> I experienced that. I did. I did. If, but if, not in my class. If somebody was listening that uh, was thinking about going to college in, in this in this era, what would you what what advice would you give them? Um, contemplating going to college, 
versus what? Well, um, versus uh, going out and trying to be successful in other ways. I mean, some of the most successful people in the world didn't go to college. Right. And I'm not against education by any stretch of the imagination, but I do feel like the push to get people to go to college has far overreached okay. what it was. You, okay. you know and, what I mean? And, like, yeah. so, so how do you determine what is hogwash well, and what's really going to affect your financial yeah, yeah. future? Okay, I'm not going to disagree with what you said. Um, I think people nowadays have to research for themselves the best path for their education and for their ultimate success. Whether that be college, whether that be going to a trade school, whether that be um, through online schooling or whatever, whatever it happens to be, um, you know, apprenticeships or whatever, I think you've got to find your own way. I, I don't think that there is, uh, like you said, um, a one size fits all. I, I, I think college is a very viable source for a lot of, of people. But it doesn't have to be for everybody. But it's not. But that's my my question is it's not sold that way. Like like it really is sold that if you want to do anything in this world, you've got to go to college and get a degree. It used to be that way. I think that's changing. I think people are realizing that there are alternative ways of becoming successful that don't include college. But for me. I think any way you can get an education, be it college, university, or other methods, is that's the important thing. It's but just, that, but that would change obviously if they came out with a way to make for the people that really wanted to go and better themselves. If education was free, that stigma would be taken away, because yeah, now you're, now you're doing it just for yourself uh, to better yourself. Yeah. And a lot of the the early people that founded this country were self taught. I don't know how that ever became a, a bad a bad thing to go out and and self educate. No, no. I think I think that's a good point. I, I think you do have to be careful of misinformation. I think you have to be careful of of false information. You've got to be careful. You've got to, you've got to know that the sources that you are using to educate yourself um, are well founded and that they have truth. And that they know what they're talking about. You, um, and 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 to educate yourself, you're going to have to go somewhere. You're going to have to source somewhere to get your information and 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 how to teach yourself. So I think it's incumbent upon the individual to know, um, you know, what those sources are and and how reliable they are. Um. All right. I think we've talked enough about education. Yeah. I want to push you. I want to now push you into life experience. Okay. Because that's where, that's where I like to go. <laughs> the philosophies of life. Let's do it. How many languages do you speak? Oh, I don't know a few. What's a few? I don't know. Quantify it. Come on. I don't know. Fluently. Give me exact numbers. Yeah. Um. I would say I speak four languages. Now let's go with three. I speak three languages fluently. I speak Danish fluently. I speak German fluently, and I speak English fluently. And I I get by really well in in a couple others. But where did your Danish and German come from? Um, living there. I grew up speaking German in my home because my mother's from Germany, and so I grew up bilingual. 
Um, I had already received uh, countless uh, scholarship offers and full ride tuition, this and that and the other to universities and colleges in, in this state um, when I was just a sophomore because of my language skills. And, you're, and when you say this state, you're talking about Utah. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, I've always grown up with an affinity for, for languages. I, I, I love learning languages. Um, I love being able to speak to, to people in their own native tongues. Uh, my wife and I travel quite a bit, and we always have. And when we're over in Europe, I would uh, speak to the people in their own languages, and they would be just grossly engaged with me, thinking that I was um, a native or a person there. And then my wife would put her head on my shoulders and say, what are they saying? What are they saying? Realizing that we're American, and then they would all of a sudden just break and go into their their English, you know, um, as good or poor as it was, uh, because uh, they found out that we were English. But I, I, I love... I love languages, I love peoples, I love cultures, I love all that stuff. And I'm not trying to offend your ex-girlfriends, but you did study abroad? <laughs> More than one. I've been waiting to use that More one than one. That one's been in my back pocket for quite a while. Yeah. No, but you, you how long, so how long did you live outside of the United States? Uh, three, three years. Wow. Was that, a, was that, because... Dude, oh, it's com- eye-opening. You're coming from Utah. Yeah, it's man. eye-opening. Oh, come on. Had, well, had you had you ever gone anywhere else? Let's let's not let's not presuppose that Utah is the most sheltered place on the well, planet. It's pretty sheltered. Maybe though. yours I mean, was. Maybe your line. <laughs> it was pretty sheltered. No, no, no. See, I grew up in a home with a German mother, so I was already open to all of these global concepts before perhaps other people were, uh, my friends or whatnot. But and I, and my, my parents traveled with us to Europe. And so I grew up already with uh, a, a global mindset. That's so fortunate though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, like, absolutely. Like a lot of the people I grew up with never left West Valley. I understand. You know what I mean? Like that's cool. That's a detriment to them. Uh, well, true. And I think that that's, I mean, obviously not the only thing that, that contributes to you as a person, but that experience that I feel like you received at that time really did broaden your your capacities no doubt no doubt and that's what we did with our own children as we were bringing them up and they have admitted as well that traveling around the world like they have and even traveling around the united states i mean there is so much great stuff to see here in the united states you don't need to go abroad start here at home Uh, we took them every summer we took them for three weeks to a new state and we saw it from top to bottom and it changed their approach to life and 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 to people and to to everything you know i gotta tell you um the the experience that i had being able to go on tour with your with the choirs yeah uh and and we went we went to washington dc washington dc yeah that spent 10 days profoundly affected me absolutely even 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 in ways that i didn't even understand until years down the road right but that was such a cool experience that I will never, ever, ever forget. To be in the house where George Washington oh, lived? Man. See, and geez, I want to go back because I loved history then, mm-hmm. but not nearly as much as I do now. Mm-hmm. And to think that we were in General Washington's kitchen. Yeah. Like the actual place, the room that he died. And the theater where Abraham uh, Lincoln oh, was shot. Well, and, and that's got it. See, and this, this is so funny because this is something. That I think, I think you know you do, and maybe you don't. So if not, I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to help you out. Okay. But 
you mold and touch people, um, and I use the word touch uh, loosely, okay? I mean, you got to be careful what you say <laughs> let's, nowadays. Let's, let's be careful. You now. never let's... physically touched anybody. No, it I did would, not. But, but, but uh, emotionally, the way that you molded us, here we went to learn about music, and because of the experiences that we got to experience, it went so much further than that. Yeah. I'll never forget watching all of my peers with tears running down their faces sitting in the room where President Lincoln died and looking at his blood-stained pillow and hearing that story. It's one thing to read about that in a history book. It's another to experience it and smell and see and touch the places where, where some of these remarkable men have been. And isn't it a shame that nowadays we're discrediting a lot of them because of their philosophical views at the time regarding... Oh, you mean, you mean people like Washington and Lincoln? Yeah. Yeah, but that's, you know, the cancel culture political thing. I don't, I don't want to get into that too much. It but, just sucks. Well, it yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they, were, they were people who did the best they could in, in their lifetimes. And, and they weren't perfect. No, they weren't. None of us are. And 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 to point fingers at anybody or to say anything derogatory about anybody is is it's yeah. a shame. It is, but you know what? Those uh, th- that that's a kind of an education that yeah, you will never forget, and those other students and and people will never forget because you you got to experience it, not just read about it, and and that's that's a different level of education. See, I well, I see the future of education hopefully going that way. Yeah. Where it, it we get away from you mean the, holographic, where we get to go well, into a, a hologram room and hey, and experience it live. Hey, there there totally is that possibility. Don't I mean, you just love Star Trek? I you know Star Trek is one of my favorites. Oh my goodness, we, Gene, Gene Roddenberry was a visionary man. Yep. He's a little kooky, but there were a lot of cool cool ideals that well. I mean, basically everything in the Star Trek future is the law of consecration. In well, a way, right? well, you know what? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. You you haven't asked me what's my greatest life ambition. Well, I was gonna get there. Okay, ask You're me. Jumping ahead. Hey, Carrie. Yeah. What is your greatest life ambition? To captain a starship of my own, <laughs> and to travel where no man has gone before. That's what I'd like. To no do. one. Where no one has gone. Oh, before. sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. Don't. I don't need to be canceled. I'm no, small, no, no, no. I'm small fries, dude. <laughs> I was just quoting the the show. I'm sorry. You're we'll, we'll rephrase <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, please. Where do. no one has gone before. <laughs> Where no one has gone before. Yeah. No, that that would that would be so cool. I love Star Trek. I don't get enough of that. I wish they would come out with Star Trek for the movie. I, I'm just. I'm just so eager and anxious. You know, there's the Discovery that's out there right now and the Picard show, and and I just love all that stuff. Man, uh, have you heard of the James Webb telescope? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Man alive, that is so freaking cool. Right. That just like, I am so stoked. Oh, gosh. To see the images that that we get to. Yeah, to be able to, to to literally glimpse to the edge of the universe. There's so much more out there that we don't even know about. So crazy. It is crazy. Well, and and here, I mean, I was just watching a special with uh, Will Smith, and they go to the, the depths of the ocean, mm-hmm. like way, 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 way down. Yeah. And they turn on these specific lights so you can see the the different types of life that are down there. Man, it does not get more alien than that. Well, that's a totally 
Those are crazy looking things. That's an unexplored territory as well. Holy cow. Yeah, there's enough on this planet to research, but I'd love reaching for the stars. Okay, well, so now that we're we're kind of touching on that uh, subject, what do you make of all of this UFO speculation that's been that's been going on? In the world, and then and the the declassified. What videos. do I make of it? Well, yeah. Do you think that we really have aliens that are visiting our planet and checking um, us out? Okay, you ask me what I make of it. Not much. Um, I I I do believe that 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 is plausible. I I do believe that there are other worlds and planets out there. Uh, whether they've actually visited here or not, I don't know. There's a lot of evidence to support that, that yes, they have. Um, but I, I can't speculate too much on that without sounding like a loon. So I'll kind of refrain from that. But, um, but have you seen, the, have you seen the, the, the Chinese show? Where they where they take people and it's kind of like American gladiators and they have to jump on these balls I and stuff or they get hit and they get yeah, knocked. I haven't. Into the, uh-uh. I just think, man, what if they just happen to be looking in on us during something <laughs> like that? And they're just like, dude, these people have lost their freaking minds. Well, I have it's you not s- even stop. You're familiar with the movie Galaxy Quest. I love Galaxy. I Quest. love Galaxy Quest, and it's like they the these alien um, people were watching our historical documents yeah. which which was a tv show right with tim allen being the lead character i mean it doesn't get better than that no, it doesn't oh i love it freaking awesome yeah. love love galaxy quest um okay so going back to to growing up yeah um can you just say can you say i love you in german for me Ich liebe dich. See, it sounds like you just said F you. <laughs> that, that, Not even. That language, that language always sounds angry. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of fun stuff on YouTube about that where they will say a certain word or a phrase um, in several different languages and they finally get to the German and it just sounds <laughs> atrocious. It sounds like angry and yeah, violent. It's, it's so funny. It's not a sexy language, though. Perhaps not, but it's a very accurate language. And um, it's very difficult to learn, but once you master it, it's it's beautiful. Where does the syntax come from? Like German, uh, German is Western. It comes from the Western Germanic branch, um, uh, as does English. Uh, English and German are sister languages and are, are closely related. Um, so you know we share a lot of their words, and they're nowadays using so many of our anglicized words that uh, it's hard to differentiate from German and English when they speak because it's it's so anglicized. Do they have slang like we do? Oh yeah, sure they do. So can you like can you say "ain't" in in German? No, they, no, no. I mean, I mean, there are there are idioms and and idiomatic phrases and things like that like you drive me up a wall if you were to say you drive me up a wall to a german in their language they would have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> so languages are, are very idiomatic meaning that they have their own phrases and their own uh, grammar and vernacular and things like that that are that are indigenous to their people in their languages that don't make sense in other languages what was their what was the greatest um what was the greatest shock that that you got when you went over for the first time as far as, uh, God, what's the word? When I was a young man. I'm looking for, yeah, like the cultural shock. What was the biggest cultural shock that you found when you went over there? 
It's so different from how we live here. Uh, probably their standards of nudity. <laughs> um, oh, dude, will you please, 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 please tell me the story of the shower in the gym? Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? No, dude, I got to get this down. This this is great. Well, okay, I will, but I, I will do it with the understanding that now as an, an, an aged human being with a lot of experience, those things don't matter to me anymore like well, they used sure, to. sure, but still, okay. it's like, that's still it. I mean, you just okay, tell the story. Okay, so, all right, I'm a college student. I'm studying over at a university in Germany, in Kiel, Germany. And, and um, um, I was taking some very, very difficult classes. And, um, you know, we were allowed to use all of the facilities of the university, which I did. And um, they have a huge aquatic swimming pool area there. And... Um, where people would go and, and exercise and do regular laps and swim and things like that, which I did uh, to stay healthy because I was a swimmer. I was a swimmer in high school. And so I would go there and I would swim. And one time after it was over, I went to the men's shower room. Uh, the women were on one side, the men were on the other. And I went there and um, had disrobed, you know, all my stuff was in the locker. And I went in there and I showered. That and- means he was naked. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I was showering and I was going to use the sauna and, uh, they had a Swedish, um, bath there or a Finnish bath and, uh, some other things that, uh, you know, guys would just strip down and go in there and do it. Right. So I went in there and I was showering. Um, and they had a whole, uh, row of showers along this one wall. Um, and I just turned mine on and was showering. And then I got to the shampoo. I put my shampoo bottle down on the ground and I'm shampooing away, you know, just lost in my own thoughts or whatever. And um, I heard people coming in and the door would open and close. And all of a sudden, while I'm uh, washing my hair, I heard in a very high-pitched female voice, can I borrow your shampoo in German, you know? And now what uh, did that sound like in German? What would that Darf ich dein Shampoo benutzen? But... Um, yeah, see. <laughs> sounds like Klingon. um anyway so um um that that shocked me for a second that just sent little cold shivers through my spine i'm like did i go to the wrong room to the wrong area am i in the women's room and anyway so i I rinse off and everything and here's this young lady standing right next to me just like i am in, in in the raw uh showering and using my shampoo and uh that was that was a little unnerving you know um, I, it's not like I um, had stood in the presence of, of unclothed female b- uh, people before. And um, anyway, I, I finished my shower, dried off, and I went into the sauna. And, well, she came in there, and some of her friends followed her. And, and I'm just sitting there by myself on my towel. Um, and all of a sudden, all these girls come in, and they uh, sit down. And um, one of them started talking to me and saying hello, you know, and everything. And, and uh, I was having a little conversation with them and it came out that I was American student there and they were all just like, Whoa, that's cool. You know, and anything, everything. And anyway, the rest of the day was like that. Well, not the rest of the day, but the rest of whatever time I spent in the men's shower facility there. Um, um, they, they, the, the, what happened, I found out later was that the, the power had gone off over on the female side. And so all the lights and everything were out there. And so they just, Came over, moseyed right over to the the men's shower room, and it was no big deal. It's no big deal, you know. 
Because they a lot of those those people will walk around naked like in their houses and stuff. Oh right? yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, people sunbathe that way. I mean, especially in Denmark, um, they're a lot freer up in Denmark. And in Germany, they have beaches that way that are designated. You know, it's called FKK or FKK, Fry the Fry Free Body Culture. And so there will there will be parts of the beach that are separated for people that want to do that. And then the other part for people that want to do the regular thing with swimsuits and all. But in Denmark, it's it's not so delineated. It's very different. Even in the the, the parks and in, in in downtown, you you will catch people from two to ninety two just sunbathing or running around. Uh, you know, I mean that's just the way it is. The billboards, uh, the the advertisements, um, um, you know, things are different. Things are different there. Um, and it's not immoral. It's just it's just a different type of understanding and acceptance of of the body and 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 and, and nudity and things like that that um, are different than our Victorian views here. I wish America was more like that, though. Okay, you can not, wish that. Not because I want to <laughs> see more naked people, because some of you really don't want to see naked, but I feel like there's so much ooh and ah that's that's put into that. Yeah. That we don't look at the naked body the way that we should. Because a lot of people completely disagree mm-hmm. that you can that there's nude art. I totally concede the art yeah. portion of it. Yeah. So when does when does art and porn cross over? Like that's that's well, the, okay. You're getting into some really fine. Uh, <laughs> well, but but it's but it's the truth though. Like, well, it is, but I guess it comes down to what is the que- the question is what is porn? Well, that's a, yeah, you're you're absolutely. I I, right. I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know that this podcast was going to go in this direction, but <laughs> I mean, I, for me, pornography is the abuse of the human body. Using it and portraying it in ways that are unnatural or or immoral or wrong or whatever to me that's pornography. Just a, a painting of a of a nude male or female person that's not pornography. That's just that's just displaying God's own creation in an artistic form. I I, I have different views on that. Well, but it's but it's it's hard because and I and I believe that that comes from our culture. There, there are uh, photographers that follow me on my Instagram that I okay. follow because I used to be huge in, in photography. And uh, some of those photographers that follow me take pictures of nude women. And I don't... You mean like boudoir shots and stuff? No, like, like just women in their natural state um, on the beach or... By request of the woman or... I don't are, know. are they... Is this out for hire or... I don't, I, don't I don't know. Where are you going? Where are you going well, with all this? I'm, I'm just saying I, I, feel like, I feel like we should be able to appreciate the, the human body and not always sexualize it. Yeah, but I don't know if that's possible in today's society. Ever? Do you think we'll ever morph ever, over to that? Ever, yeah. I, th- I think there's a possibility that society could move in that direction. But um, there's too many people that... Uh, think of and view the human body in a perverse way and in, until you can get rid of that i just don't see that ever happening okay so i know and it's not a, a a fun thing to talk about but i i have to ask you okay i have to ask you all right let's because go because I, I just have to because we got to go deep now okay so you've obviously um throughout your life you've been faced with with death yeah and that that is in your case been in the in the sense of cancer yeah still fighting it yeah right yep 
how how have you found the strength to because it's been about 15 years now it's been 14 years since i was diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer yeah 14 and they gave me three months initially when they told me they said you've got three months get your bucket list together quit teaching and go live your life you've got three months and i that wasn't good enough for me what went through your mind though because a lot of people are never going to have to deal with that news so just just off the top of your head like there's no right or wrong answer i'm i'm looking for a purely authentic uh conversation about this how how did you internalize okay so the doctor sat my wife and i down or my wife and me down and said um this is this is where we're at you're gonna die and that was that was hard to hear i've never had anybody say that to me before in that moment was he as crass it was a she it was a she it was a female doctor no she wasn't crass she just well she was she was blunt she just says you are going to die and there was nothing that they could do. This was a, a relatively unknown cancer at the time. Um, um, it's now blossomed into something that's a little more common. Uh, there were others like Steve Jobs that had the same type of cancer, and, and we know what happened uh, in his situation. But, uh, yeah, that was hard to hear. Uh, and they said that we don't know that there's anything that we can do. They tried to th- put together a concoction of several different types of chemos, and they infused me with that for three months. And... I thought I was going to die from that. And I said, no, I'm done with that. I'm done. Um, luckily, I was able to find a doctor in, uh, in uh, Los Angeles, in Beverly Hills, uh, at Cedar sinai Hospital, who was dealing with the same type of cancer that I had. There wasn't even uh, an agreed-upon name or term for this kind of cancer, but what we understood, it, uh, the, the name that was associated with this particular doctor. Long story short, I met up with him and um, worked with him for six years. He he basically saved my life with a certain new uh, experimental drug that was out there. And um, I've been fighting ever since. Um, Here's the thing. Um, I'm a deeply religious individual. Um, I believe firmly in a higher power, in a God. And... um, when they told me I was going to die, I made my peace with God and I accepted the fact that I would be leaving. And I was okay with that. I was sad to leave my wife and family behind, but if that's if that was my lot, if that was my fate, then so be it. But I also had a, a, a determination to fight and not just roll over and play dead because the doctors told me so. And so I fought with every fiber of my being to find doctors, to find uh, possible cures or, or treatments or therapies that would help me. I wasn't just going to, uh, uh, you know, kiss everything goodbye. Right. And so... I had a fighting spirit, and I think that's what it takes for anybody with any kind of adversity. You have to be willing to fight. You have to be a fighter. And then couple that with a positive attitude. If you go into any kind of adversity, cancer, or whatever it may be, or hardship, with a negative attitude, your ship ship is almost sunk to begin with. 
you've got to be positive. You've got to say to yourself, I can do this. I mean, not unrealistically, but I, I think the fact that that I went into this with a, with a positive feeling of I'm going to give this the fight of its life and I'm not just going to, uh, you know, succumb and, 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 and leave um, helped me a lot. I think, I think our minds are more powerful over our physical bodies than we give them credit for. So a fighting spirit, a positive attitude, that's helped me get through it. Have you learned anything new about yourself going through the process? Yeah. Not, I don't know about myself. Well, no, yeah. I, I've learned that I am capable of fighting. I, I am capable of, of being thrown into the deepest, darkest abyss where I feel like life is over and ascending from that and coming out of it. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've learned that we are resilient. We human beings are resilient and we we can come back from even the worst the worst and i also learned that a lot of the stuff that we consider important in life isn't all that important what i've what i've what i've really really learned is that relationships are the most valuable important thing that we have because when we die Nothing goes with us at all. So we need to make the very best of the time that we have with the people that we have around us. That's what I've learned. So has it made you reevaluate maybe the way that you, I mean, you've always seemed like a person that's been pretty genuine to me, but did it make you step back and think to speak a little softer to be, uh, I, I mean, when you, when anyone's, has to deal with their own immortality or mortality, mm-hmm. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you're steadfast in your religious beliefs, and that's commendable. I mean, to be able to follow through and believe in something so much is a blessing. But was there ever a time when you were when you were dealing with that that you were scared? Um, scared, yeah. I was scared of the poisons that I was putting in my body. Chemo is poison. And I've never been one to put anything into my body or into my mind that is poisonous or filthy or that would hurt me. And so, yeah, I was scared of the science that was going into my body. Was I scared of dying? No, never. Never. Um, Because, Josh, it comes down to this. Either there is something or there is nothing after this life. And I believe firmly that there is something after this life. And so I look forward to that. If I die and there's nothing, I won't even know. That's a good point. I won't even know. And so what does it matter? So, um, no, I was never scared. Um, I was never in disbelief or it didn't ever shake me to the core where like, God, do you really exist? Or is this all real? Or No, none of that. And I know that that can happen. But I had a wife that stood by my side with me through the whole 
well, through it's not over, through all of it. And together we we're just tackling this mountain as best we can. But you really have like you've been a vigorous warrior. Like, tried. Like you, tried. Like you really have. Like I, I I I know myself and so many people uh with a lesser cal- caliber than you bring, I think would find an excuse to not get out of bed in the morning, but all the years that you continued to teach, you obviously didn't listen to the doctor. You kept teaching through it all. Mm-hmm. I was a recipient of, of those years as well because I believe when I was in, that's when the first diagnosis yeah. came through. 2001. And uh, it's been remarkable. Man, I get a headache. And I'm like, hey, count me out, man. I'm done. And... I do constantly through some of the the trials and tribulations in my life think of people like you and go, man, dude, Carrie, if he knew that I was freaking out on a headache right now, he'd be kicking my ass because you've you've (laughs) dealt with so much more. How many rounds of chemo have you done? One, two, three, four. This is my fifth in 14 years. Holy cow. I, I just... I. I just started one a couple months ago, but it was it was affecting my body and and me as a person so adversely that my doctor stopped me. So now I'm in limbo waiting for what's the next step. Um, but five rounds of chemo and it's brutal. It is so very brutal. I, I my heart goes out to people that have to do these infusions and and then have to take these chemos. It breaks my heart to see um, children and, and, and men and women just suffering. But that's all that the medical science has to offer at this point. What is the worst part about going through the chemo? Um, how sick you are, how sick you feel, how awful, how, how terrible you feel. I mean, physically, you feel so awful that... You just don't even want to live anymore. You, you'd rather die because dying would be a relief. Yeah, so the very from, thing that's that's keeping you from dying is making you wish that you were dead because of yeah. how bad it is. Yeah, honestly, wow. yes. Yep. What? What? And and look, I'm I'm only asking because I mean, I hope no one has to go through chemo, but I think for people that have gone through, it helps people understand just just what that what that situation is like so what what are the well just i'm not asking you to relive the whole thing but what are the worst what are the worst side effects of the chemo when you oh my goodness side effects we could go on for days the side effects um some of them are a, a a loss of taste and smell ringing in your ears uh just a general feeling of malaise in your whole body where you don't want to get up in the morning. You'd rather just lie there in bed, and you can't do that, obviously. Um, your hair turning white, uh, which mine has just now from the last chemo, just being on that for a, sh- a few short weeks. Um, losing all your hair. I've lost all of my hair uh, on my entire body, and, and that's tough. That's tough. You know, and, and, and it breaks my heart. I don't know if it's even fair to say this anymore in today's cancel culture, but it breaks my heart to see women who have to lose all of their hair because hair is a part of who we are as people. And I think hair 
is one of the things that makes women feel special about themselves, um, you know, among many other things. But, I mean, hair is an important thing. And to see women um, having to wear bandanas and things to cover up their baldness and things, that just breaks my heart. But losing your hair is a very common side effect of a lot of the chemos. Um, upset stomach, diarrhea, I mean, constipation. Uh, I could go on and on and on. Uh, pains here and there that you never have experienced before, headaches, eye problems. I mean, it, it goes on, Josh. And how and how long do those effects last going through the process? Well, all through the process and for weeks after you quit taking it because it, it takes a while for these, uh, these poisons, if you will, these chemicals and things to leave your body and for your body to try to reestablish normalcy. Well, um, I know, and I, I know that you don't ever want anyone to to take pity on you or no. feel bad for you because that's that's not your your style. But um, watching as a friend, watching another friend go through something like that is terrible, especially when you know that there's nothing you can do. What do you say? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just wanted to. I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't like had some kind of awakening, awakening, but I try and uh, live live as much as I can when I talk to people, giving them the best foot forward and trying to express who I am as a as a person, and not waste the time anymore to tell people how you feel. And so I just wanted to take this opportunity in front of my audience to to sincerely thank you um obviously started out on the educational front but the the friend that you have been the the positive the positivity that's that's been driven out of that is uh, it's insurmountable it's it's not countable it's not quantifiable it's it's amazing and you you have been such a steadfast you've been a north star in my life because i've gone through a lot of things and when i've slipped and lost my way you've 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 been that voice of reason but at the same time you've let me have my space to grow and uh i just wanted to thank you for that because you don't find a lot of people like you I think that's why when we find our best friends, we hang on to them. And I've said this before on 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 this program, but I would rather have four quarters than a hundred pennies. And you're definitely one of those quarters. Wow, I I don't know what to say, but you know, thank you. And those are very very generous, kind words. I um I I feel the same way um about you, um, but I think I need to say that. As, as an educator, having taught over 11,000 students in my career, I'm the one who was the recipient of the goodness of so many people and uh, their talents and, um, and just being able to rub shoulders with these, these young people over my lifetime has been the greatest thing that I could ever imagine. And that's why I say I would never trade this for anything because I have been touched. I have been blessed 
by so many thousands of individuals in my lifetime. Whatever I, this person, me, has been able to do to help any one of those students, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I was there. I'm grateful that uh, I got to play a small part, perhaps, in their lives in whatever way. But honestly, I'm the one who probably benefited the most from my career as an educator because of all those good people in my life. What would you, if you, if you had to give an answer, I know this is a tough, a tough question to answer, but what do you think the secret of life is? The secret, well, I mentioned before, I think it, it, is incumbent upon every single human being that comes to this planet to discover who they are and to do that quickly, as quickly as possible. To embrace that individual and to make that individual the best version that they can. Ultimately, I think life is about... It's about happiness. It's about doing things that make you happy. It's about looking for happiness with the people that surround you. It's about being happy with your career, your life, your family. It's, it's, it's all about achieving happiness. To me, that's, that's the secret of life. Do what you need to do to become the happiest person that you can be. And don't let all the other distractions and things out there destroy that for you is there anything that you would have changed about my life yeah oh i'm sure there is if i were to sit down and think about it would i have done things differently as a father as a as a husband as a parent as an educator uh, as a son as a human being probably probably but i i'm not going to sit and worry about my past for me what's important is the moment and where i'm going um if, if there are things that are blatant about my past that were hurtful to other people, people, I will know that. We all know that. And I will take care of that. But it's really about right now and what we're doing right now and then where that takes us in the future. That, to me, is the more important thing. I'm not going to sit and uh, regret my actions, my words, and things in the past. Um, and that's why it's so unfortunate about cancel culture. People say things. People say things without maybe thinking. Um, and then people come along 15, 20 years later and hold you accountable for all those things and make you out to be some sort of a villainous person because you made a mistake or something. That's just not worth it. Why dwell on that stuff? Let's dwell on the good things in life. Let's dwell on what makes us similar. Let's dwell on what makes us happy. And let's move forward together, arm in arm, and make this world a better place. That's what's important. See, and it's just awesome to hear someone that is that has had to deal with so much adversity to be so positive and have that outlook. I, I sincerely wish there were more of you. And that's why I'm doing this. I want to I wanna find those people because I know they're out there. That, that are like-minded and, and, and open-minded as you are. And you definitely have not lived your life in vain. I have this uh, I have this saying, you don't meet your heroes. 
You don't want to meet your heroes because every single time they disappoint you. Mm. And you're definitely not, you don't fit in that category. You, mm. You've always worn your heart on your sleeve. And um, you're very charismatic. I think that's why people are drawn to you and why your students always, uh, for the most part, wanted to do their best is because you exemplify that. And so um, I just I just love you, man. And I just I, I <laughs> feelings hope that, mutual, Josh. I hope that you'll come back on. Yeah. And this uh, is awesome. I am so stoked, man, for you to to get this podcast thing, you know, going and be successful. I, I think what you're doing is is remarkable. And yeah, we need to hear more about the positive things in life. There's, well, we're we're missing it. Yeah. We're we're, we're missing out. Yeah. And we need to get back to the the basics. And the basics is just us recognizing that that we're for the time being, we're all we have. Yeah. And we all we all share this planet together. We need to get through it. Yeah. Together. We need to get through it together. We need to love each other despite our differences and and quit pounding on each other. My gosh. Yeah. You know, let's lift each other up. I love that song You Raise Me Up. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite songs. And you know, to stand on other people's shoulders and 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 to lift each other up. That's what it's all about. Well, I uh, I appreciate it, my friend. I appreciate your time. Yeah, uh, it's I, been fun. I appreciate all that I've learned throughout the years. And every single time uh, I, I get the opportunity to spend time with you, I always I always come away um, uplifted. I, I mean, it's funny. It, do you ever feel like... You know, here you're the one that, that could possibly be dying. Do you ever feel like it's funny how you end up comforting the ones that 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 talk to you when when you should be the one that's comforted? Like, do you ever find yourself falling? I, you in know, that? that's a really that's a really thoughtful question. Um, I, I I remember you saying in your first podcast that it's all about empathy and empathizing with each other. I think my situation has allowed me to become more empathetic, to become more compassionate, and to become more charitable toward other people. So is it strange that perhaps something that I'm saying might be of comfort to others? No, because I've, I've been down to the bottom of the abyss, and I know how terrible it can get. And so I'm glad to be able to be here and, and help in whatever way I can, through words, through actions, through prayers, through whatever. Well, you heard it, ladies and gentlemen. One of my, one of the most favorite people in my life. And uh, if you're still listening, sure appreciate it. I really do. Every single person that has subscribed, you mean something to me. I. I really appreciate the the positivity that I'm receiving. It gives me the strength that I need to keep doing this and lets me know that perhaps, possibly, I'm doing something positive for everyone. Um, please like and subscribe and share. Uh, share share it as much as you can. We're trying to, to grow the audience more and more. And the more people that we can reach, the, the more we can possibly affect for for the better and as much as we like to play around sometimes you got to deal with the the more serious stuff too and there's a place for all of it so 
This is the Just Josh and You podcast saying peace be unto you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>